Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Unpacking Articles within Unpacking Language Pedagogy. Today we're going to unpack the topic of authentic resources through an article called Optimal Input for Language Learning, Genuine, Simplified, Elaborated or Modified Elaborated. And this is an article by Michael Long published in 2020. Let's start by defining genuine or authentic input. It refers to texts or materials that were not created for language learners. The opposite of authentic input would be simplified input, which we find in materials created for language learners. And that to me is probably the best way to define those two terms. You may have heard other definitions like authentic resources are for native speakers, by native speakers, but I personally do not like definitions that associate authenticity with native speakers. Also, the audience of a text is whoever speaks the language. It shouldn't matter if they are native speakers or not. I am not a native speaker of English and here you are listening to me and you may or may not be a native speaker of English. So does that make this podcast not authentic? I hope not. And there are also issues with such a stark dichotomy, authentic versus not authentic. And the article we're unpacking today touches on that a little bit. The author starts off by pointing out two main issues with authentic input. The first one is that it's not likely to be right for the student's level. And so the question is, are our efforts in facilitating comprehension of authentic resources the best use of class time, which tends to be pretty limited to begin with? This quote from the article sums it up nicely. It says, except when employed with very advanced students, genuine texts will be linguistically overwhelming and usually constitute psycholinguistically inappropriate input for language learning. What does that mean? It means that if we're not teaching advanced students or teaching beginners, intermediate level learners, then this type of input may not help them very much when it comes to making the right form meaning connections, which is essentially how acquisition happens. Why? Because if they're not understanding, then they cannot make form meaning connections. They see forms, but they're not entirely sure what meaning to attach to it. And so perhaps it may not be the best type of input when it comes to acquisition. Could there be other benefits of authentic resources? Sure. But in this paper, Michael Long is focusing on acquisition. The second issue is that many times authentic texts come along with inauthentic activities. So what we ask the learners to do with an authentic text is not an authentic task. It's not something that people would do when they engage with a text. For example, if all we can ask them to do is to fill in the blanks with words that they hear, is that an authentic activity? The author doesn't deny that there may be some use for those types of activities for language learning, but he wants to emphasize that if that's all we do, then we're staying at the inauthentic level. And so why are we using authentic texts if the learners are only going to be doing inauthentic things with them? 
On the other hand, simplified input also has some issues. The first one is that, well, it's inauthentic. It tends to be somewhat contrived. Many times it results in unnatural language. It just doesn't sound like something a speaker of the language would say. For instance, it tends to contain repetitive use of targeted structures on purpose because this simplified input is created with the language in mind first and foremost. The text is created, for example, to emphasize the use of a particular verb. But that's not how we construct text. You don't say, I'm going to write an email and I'm going to make sure that I use this verb a lot. I'm assuming that's not how you approach emails, right? And so in a way you could say that simplified input is prioritizing form over meaning. And I do think that's indeed the case when it comes to those contrived dialogues that you see in textbooks, for example. But I am a little bit more cautious about portraying simplified input in such a negative way. Simplifying how we say something so that our audience understands our message is authentic language use. We do that in many situations, not just in the classroom. But going back to the point that the author is trying to make here in the article, I completely agree that it's an issue to let form dictate our content. And here we have another wonderful quote that summarizes why this could be a problem. It says, to focus on language as object and attempt to teach a language structure by structure in the order listed in an externally imposed linguistic syllabus is to disregard much of what has been learned from 50 years of research. This externally imposed linguistic syllabus refers to a list of structures that perhaps we follow based on our textbook, based on what our program wants us to cover, but it's really not the internal syllabus. It's not how learners acquire the language. And so we have this comprehensibility conundrum, as I would call it. Yes, we need learners to understand because we know that we need comprehensible input, but at the same time, we don't want to give them impoverished input. So what do we do? The author says, Let's look at interaction. What do people do when they interact and there's a breakdown in communication? What do most people do? What do most teachers do? We elaborate, we clarify, we give an example, we rephrase. And that is precisely what the author is advocating for. And he calls it elaborated input. Instead of avoiding, add. Add an example, an explanation, synonyms, etc. Essentially, help them understand without sacrificing or eliminating those new words or new structures. And I'll give you my own examples contrasting the three types of input. Let's start with the authentic version. Unemployment is on the rise worldwide. Okay, we have the word unemployment. You have the phrase on the rise. And then you have worldwide. If you simplify it, you could say something like, there are more people without a job everywhere. Are we conveying just about the same meaning? Yes, but notice that all of those phrases went away. 
So how are learners going to acquire those phrases if they're nowhere in the input? Voila, elaborated input. And this is what it would look like. Worldwide, comma, everywhere in the world, comma, unemployment is on the rise. There are more people without a job now than before. As you can see, we have kept the word unemployment worldwide and the phrase on the rise, but we're helping learners understand those terms with further input. Perhaps you might be wondering, hmm, could all those additional words and complexity and longer sentences make it a little confusing for the students? The author of this article says no, and his evidence comes from studies that have compared these three types of input and concluded that elaborated input did not lead to more confusion. But I think it's important to take into account the proficiency level of the learners. In one study that he cited, the students had at least eight years of study, even though their actual proficiency level varied a little bit. So I'm still wondering if elaborated input could result in more confusion when we talk about first year novice level students. Okay, before we go, I do want to mention one section of the article where he talks about bimodal input. Bimodal means two modalities, oral and written at the same time. For example, reading a text while you listen to it. Bimodal input can help us when it comes to elaborated input because through pauses and changes in intonation, we can make the elaboration clearer than just seeing it written down. And he also says that it could increase the odds of incidental learning and focus on form. When we see things written down, we can pay a little more attention to their form. And we could probably have a hundred separate episodes just on focus on form. It came up in episode one, here it is again, and we'll come back to it in the future, I promise. But for now, the takeaway is strive for balance and variety of sources and types of input. There's nothing wrong with modifying the language to convey genuine content. Of course, as long as we stay true to the language. I do see a lot of value in authentic resources, especially to help learners see that the language doesn't exist divorced from the community of speakers. And while it is true that being unable to understand an authentic resource can be very frustrating and it doesn't contribute to acquisition, we cannot deny that being able to understand an authentic resource can be very motivating and rewarding for learners. So, as is the case with many things in language teaching, balance and variety are key. That's just my take on it. As usual, I encourage you to read the original and draw your own conclusions. Thank you for tuning in and until next time.